Today we are looking at Luke chapter 7 and 8. Hope you did some homework before today and looked at this already. Hope you can predict what I'm going to say. <laughs> and if it's what I say is not based on what you read, then we got a problem, right? Because when we look in the scripture, we should be coming to some pretty similar conclusions. And so today we're talking about the hidden kingdom, which will come from a verse we'll look at later. But as we opened in this video today about what, God, uh, what mom wanted was uh, she wanted to sleep in, right? She wanted a nap. And instead, they made her toast. They gave her all sorts of burnt offerings, didn't they? <laughs> and, and, you know, in Scripture in the Old Testament, a lot of times God says, I really don't want your sacrifices anymore. They're just burnt. It's just burnt toast, right? You're not actually doing what I'm asking you to do. And the secret to Mother's Day here today is to listen to what she says and do it. Yeah. We got an amen from the front row there. And that sounds both easy and, and hard at the same time. It's simple, but not easy. There's a guy from the early 1900s named G.K. Chesterton. He says that the Christian, he says that the kingdom of God is most often. Um, he says that the kingdom of God is most often not tried and left wanting, but it's found difficult and left untried. So what, mean, what that means is basically, sometimes it takes hard work. And he claims that the Christian life, usually people don't even try it. They don't even try and do it. And last week we looked at this, uh, the ministry of Jesus expanding into this Christian ethic that the kingdom of God would be this reign that he's inviting people into. He chooses 12 disciples. He goes to the Sermon on the Mount and he gives them a Beatitude sermon saying, basically repeating what God cries out for in the Old Testament where he says, we want justice here. Enough of the burnt toast, all right? We want you to live this out and do it. And if you were listening last week, some of that stuff I told you, boy, that sounds hard, right? That's an upside-down kingdom to live that way. And it's usually left untried, believe it or not. So that's the secret, not only to Mother's Day, that's the secret in our walk with the Lord. To not only listen, but to do it. And you'll be surprised as you do it, the strength that God gives you to carry it out. Next week, in chapters 9 through 10, they really start doing it. Jesus sends out the disciples. He tells the disciples, hey, there's 5,000 Hungry, poor people here. Feed them. And they say, what? Jesus, that's a lot of money. We might be poor if we did that. He starts pushing them, saying, do it. He sends out 72 followers, saying, go out and do it. For the kingdom of God is here. 
and you're invited to participate. I want to work it through you. And I'm sure when Jesus gives the words he does today on the heels of the Beatitudes, it's because he already knows not many people are doing it. As a mother, have you ever told perhaps a child to do something and they didn't do it? (laughs) How did that make you feel? Kind of made you feel maybe invisible. (laughs) And you might say, child, you're not listening to me. And they say, oh no, mom, I heard you. I just want to do something else instead. Is that truly listening, right? At the time when Jesus said these words, to truly hear, to truly listen, doesn't mean you just know the answers. It means that you do it. So, I'll show you a snapshot here of what all happens in Luke chapter 7 through 8. And the goal that will be the text that we'll read today. But I'll list off the kingdom coming here, so to speak. It's overwhelming with good news. Just the the pace of this. There's ten people that come into the kingdom of God in these chapters. The first is a Roman officer who tells Jesus his servant is dying, please help. And this Roman officer tells Jesus, you know what, you don't even have to come because I'm a man under authority. I get it. When I tell someone to do it, they do it. So Jesus, all you have to do is say the word. And Jesus says, wow, not even in Israel is there such faith. He says, this guy gets it. And this guy was doing it. He didn't just say, hey, I care about the people of God. This Roman officer actually built a synagogue for the Jewish people. He's actually seeking for the life of his servant, caring for his servant. This guy's doing it. He's doing justice. And Jesus says, wow, this guy gets it. He's not just listening, he's doing it. The next is a widow who lost her son. And on the way to burying this son, Jesus walks by. He says, don't cry. He says, young man, I tell you, get up. And the young man got up. And the people said, wow! God has visited us today. The kingdom is here. They saw a glimpse of it. And they're amazed. Next, story of John the Baptist. He's in jail and he sends his disciples to Jesus saying, is the kingdom really here or not? Because I'm a little disoriented. We talked about this last week. Jesus points out, he says, The blind, the lame, the leprous, the deaf, the dead, the poor, they're all receiving the kingdom. And he quotes from Isaiah when he says that. He says, justice is coming to the world. Yes, kingdom is coming. After this, many agreed that God's ways were right. They saw, yeah, that that sounds like the world I hoped for. This kingdom, this makes sense, Jesus, we want that. Whereas the Pharisees, who loved to offer burnt toast, 
they did not accept it. Instead, they rejected, the scripture says, God's plan for them. They didn't want to have anything to do with God's reign in their life. Because it got in the way of their own power. Their own expectations. Their own plans for their life. Next, Jesus visits one of those Pharisees for dinner. And a woman who's known to be a sinner came up and started washing Jesus' feet. And the table snickered. He said, first of all, why is this woman here? Second of all, why is he touching Jesus' feet? Clearly this guy isn't as holy as we thought he was. And Jesus tells the Pharisee, says, since I've gone, come here, you haven't offered me anything for my feet. You haven't done anything for me. Yet this woman who's been forgiven much is loving much. She's wiping my feet with her tears. She's living it out and not just offering burnt toast. She's actually doing it. And I wonder, the Pharisees, this man, he didn't have much of a response. But I bet he sure had something to think about that night. The start of chapter 8 mentions that Jesus travels with his disciples as well as some women who have been cured of diseases. And they're supporting him. Susanna and Joanna are names that sometimes children are named after. These women out of their funds, are supporting Jesus' ministry. They're not just saying, hey Jesus, great sermon, that was awesome, see you later. But they're following and they're saying, what can I do to help? You think those women have great reward in heaven or not? (laughs) I think so. I think so. To be following Jesus at that time, saying, I want to be part of the kingdom of God. What's my role? Tell me what to do. And sometimes we think so individualistically too about it as if that just gave them reward just for themselves. But I bet it was encouraging for them to see the kingdom come to those outside of themselves to see that their ministry, that the blind were able to see, that the lame were able to walk, that the hungry were being fed, that the leprous were being made clean. The kingdom of God is not just about us, as individualistic as we are sometimes. Being part of the kingdom of God is about others too. If it's not, we're missing the whole point of the Christian ethic and the reign of God. At the end of Isaiah, God says, I love justice. I love it. And I don't like burnt toast. Are we listening to him? 
Or do we do just keep tossing bread in the toaster saying, we're good. I gave God my burnt toast today. We're good. No, he loves justice. He loves his kingdom because it's good for us. He wants us to be a part of bringing it to others. So with that context, we come to our scripture today. It's going to be found in chapter 8 of Luke, verse 4. And it says this. It says, One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. Now last time, last week, it said he directed to his disciples, which there might have just been 12 of them, even though a lot of people were listening. Now he directs the whole crowd, and he gives them a parable, something that they're going to have to work at if they truly want to understand. And he says this, he says, A farmer went out to plant his seed. Raise your hand if you planted some seeds in the ground in the last month. A lot of us, all right. So we could relate to this idea. So a farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that the scripture might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't really understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Often a sermon might end right there, but Jesus hasn't finished talking. He shares some pretty good clues as to the main point of his parable. At the end of each parable, usually he closes saying, this is the point. So we have to make sure that just as we should listen to mothers on Mother's Day, and maybe every day, we should listen to God and what he has to say instead of cutting him off. So let's continue. Verse 16, he says, No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. Listen to this verse. He's really saying this is the point. He says, So pay attention to how you hear. 
To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Just then, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. But they could not get to him because of the crowd. Someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. But Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word. And what does it say next? And obey it. Notice how continuing on we get a little more clarity into the parable. What his point is. It's to hear God's word and, and obey it. It is as simple and difficult and left untried as that. It's hard to walk on water. Peter does it. He obeys. It's hard to feed 5,000. But they do it. It's hard to follow God. But we can do it. So, I want to show you a picture next here. This might resonate with you. I saw this a lot in the fields. Um, so they're planting. And as a farmer puts seed in the ground, just like what we read about, there's expectation, right? Like if nothing comes up, the farmer's going to say, Okay, there's something wrong with the seeds, maybe. No, there's nothing wrong with God's word in this parable. So if the seeds don't come up, I think the next logical choice, maybe it's the ground, right? Maybe that patch of ground isn't yielding because it's the wrong type of soil. Or maybe some seed fell where... He thought it was bad soil, and yet it grew. What do you know? I guess that ground was good. But a farmer tries to make wise investments, doesn't he? If nothing comes up, you might try another year. Say, All right, so I don't know what was off. Let's, let's try that again. But eventually, you might stop putting your seed on that ground, Right? So it is with God's word. To be faithful with God's word and to do it, it says God will give you more. But for those who think that they hear, think that they're doing it when they're really not, even what they have will be taken away from them. So this kingdom, this reign of God, it starts with God's word. He's telling us how to do it. That's the seed going into the ground. And then our obedience is that seed coming up out of the ground. So let's look at the four soils just briefly. See if you resonate with any of this. Or mothers, think about when you tell a child to do something. Think of the excuses or what you might see, okay? The first is the hard soil. This is the person who, when you said, have you taken the trash out yet? Like I asked you to, they say, wait, what? <laughs> that was the kid who was nodding their head while watching TV. They didn't 
they didn't even, it didn't even sink in. <laughs> okay, just brushed the surface, just barely. And so here it says, the hard soil prevents people from believing and being saved. It doesn't even sink in. The other day I went into my kitchen to get something and I forgot. I totally forgot what I was even doing there. And so then I went in back to my baby's room and my baby looked up at me and she said, Baba. I said, thank you, bottle. That's what I was doing. I went back. And Elaine overheard this and just busted out laughing. My one and a half year old had to remind me what I was doing. <laughs> I guess it just scratched the surface for me. She might have even just face planted her little toddler hand. I don't know. She's still training dad and he's working on it. So yeah, the hard soil is usually the person who needs to hear it a second time. They barely even heard it the first. The next type of soil is going to be the rocky soil. This is when someone does hear it. I would call this one the good-intentioned person, right? You say, oh yeah, I can help with that. There's a verse, I can't remember right now where it is, but it talks about someone who keeps their promise even when it hurts. Whoa, that's more than just good intention. That's someone who's going to follow through. And I think you know people like that. They're rare, but people that at great cost, if they say they're going to do something, they're going to do it. So this rocky soil, it doesn't have deep roots. It might do it for a while, but then they chase the next shiny thing. I have great respect for people that hold to tra tradition when tradition is based on God's word. I have great respect for deep stakes in the ground, I might call you. Because <laughs> you don't go chase the next shiny thing. You're focused on what matters. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Because I want this church to be one that focuses and puts deep roots into what matters for the long haul. And we'll decide as a church what form it might take. It always is packaged in some different way. But at the end of the day, we want to be about what matters. And not stray from that. Not have shallow roots. So this would be the person that uh, when asked to clean the dishes, your child does half of them, right? And you wonder, how could they be distracted doing what they're doing? How did they forget? How did they not hear? They, like they knew what they were doing. They were in the kitchen holding a bottle and wondering, what am I doing here? <laughs> All right? Deep roots, long-term focus, follow-through. Next is the thorny soil. This is kind of similar in some ways. This is someone who accepts the message and it grows up, but too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. If you remember the Clash of Kings sermon, this is where the other kingdoms 
get a voice in this person's ear saying, you know what, I got an easier way for you. I got a more promising way for you. Come over here. For a lot of kids, this is video games. <laughs> it could be all sorts of things. Nothing wrong with a little bit of video games, but the temptations that are out there, you know what, that just seems like a better use of time. But then on the back end, you look back at it and you're like, you know, that Saturday really stunk. I didn't do anything with my day. So thorny soil. It says it never grows into maturity. The thing that these three soils have in common, none of them do what they were designed to do. And you might say, well, it's better to be rocky soil than a hard path, right? Because at least I'm coming to church and I'm listening. Okay, if you're not doing it, which is the intent of a seed is to grow a harvest, I don't think a farmer looks too good into their field feeling real good about, well, those are good plants, but there's not a single ear of corn out there. That's like it just never even came up. What's the use? It actually just used up nutrients. <laughs> it didn't produce fruit. It didn't grow into maturity. It didn't bring a harvest. And so the last soil that's mentioned is the good soil. It says the seeds that fell on the good soil represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. It says they do it. So back at the start of the chapter in the actual parable, it says it produces 100-fold. In a commentary, I read that an average harvest back then was about seven to tenfold. So imagine getting ten times the harvest. Imagine 2,000 bushels an acre. Wow. That's how God feels. 2,000 bushels an acre. Wow. That's how mom feels when she says, We put away the toys in the room and they do it. Wow! <laughs> they actually did it. And in some ways, it's that just as rare. D.L. Moody, when he started his ministry, About 100 years ago, he was challenged by a preacher who said to him that the world has yet to see what God can do through a man or woman fully consecrated to him. And D.L. Moody heard that message and he put it off for about a year. And it stuck with him. It followed him until a year later he decided, I can't shake this. You know what? He says, I aim to be that man. Went out and did it. He had a goal of sharing the gospel every day, no exception, with somebody. 
So oftentimes at 10 o'clock at night, he'd go to the train station to see who's waiting there. And he was criticized by people for his form of evangelism, that it wasn't the best. And his response was, well, you know what? I like my way of doing evangelism better than your way of not doing evangelism. (laughs) He said, you know what? God can steer a moving ship here. (laughs) And I'm open to that. If I hear that word, I see that, I'll do it. But at least I'm doing it. That's a huge harvest, folks. And it's rare. Jesus is the only man fully consecrated to God. And we have seen what God has done through that. It's brought us the kingdom and the reign of God here on earth. And that is spreading and that is growing. And yet a lot of it is hidden under the soil right now. Waiting for hearts to respond saying, you know what, I aim to be that man. Or I aim to be that woman. Or even I aim to be that child. The kingdom of God is for children and youth too. God looks on that obedience the same. He delights in that and he will use that. So this theme, it gets repeated out. We get to this idea of the purpose of a lamp And is that lamp hidden, just like a seed that's hidden underground? No, let your light shine, people. (laughs) That's the point of this. Let your light shine. Bring it out into the open. The next slide is verse 18. It gives the point. It says, so pay attention to how you hear. Implying, then go and do it. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as many a people of God have done. But respond and do it because today is the day. It's gracious for God to give us his word, even if it's hard soil. And he might do it next year. But the day is coming when God is returning. He's going to say, you know what? The kingdom will fully be here. And his delay is patience, hoping that many will come to repentance. Because on that day when he gets rid of sin, You need to be found in Jesus. You need to be found in Jesus. The next section, Jesus' mother visits him. And Jesus says, he doesn't even stop what he's doing. He says, he doesn't want anyone to get distracted here. Maybe someone's like, okay, enough of that, Jesus. Uh, why Why don't you go talk to your family? You know, I'm getting a little uncomfortable here. And he drives home the point. He says, no. He says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and obey it. It's almost three times in a row here. He's driving home the point. 
I wonder how his mother might have felt, right? But there's a great scripture in 3 John where it says, there's no greater joy than seeing my children walking in the truth. From what I've learned about Mary so far, she probably said, that's my boy. That's my boy. Even if he can't spend Mother's Day with his mom, at least he's out preaching the Word. And my mom said that to me. Saying, you know, we don't get to see you as often. But we know you're doing what God's called you to do. Keep it up. I will get to see my mom, by the way, <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> There's some other scriptures here that I'll point to briefly. I think the next one's out of 1 Corinthians says, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. <laughs> it is living by God's power. Isn't that a wonderful verse? And another one here out of James. If you'll go to the next slide, please. James says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. To be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And so the next slide here is, what does God want? What does God want? He wants you to hear the word. He wants you to do it. Just like a mom, listen to what she says she might want. She says she wants a card. Don't make her a gourmet dinner. Get her a card. And then ask if she wants a gourmet dinner, right? <laughs> but listen to what she wants. And I could drive deep on this. I could go deeper in saying, well, maybe your mother says she wants more quality time. Maybe your mother says, wants you to be more careful on the internet with what you're doing. Maybe she says, I want you to quit drinking. Maybe she says, I want you to come to church with me. We say, no, no, no. I just want to give you some burnt toast. Because you love necklaces, right, Mom? I don't know. I don't know about that. Listen to what she is saying to you. Listen to what she's saying to you. More importantly, listen to what God is saying to you. It's His Word goes into your heart. My prayer this morning is that God would soften our hearts, right? Because without His Holy Spirit guiding us, helping us, breaking up that hard ground, we're unable to do this on our own. through the gospel message of Jesus' love shed for us on the cross, the Holy Spirit can take that gospel and break up hard ground. As the Old Testament promised, would give us hearts of flesh and not hearts of stone. That is our prayer today. Not just for, towards your wife or your mother, 
but towards your heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. So this last image I want to show you, I just keep coming back to the end of Luke chapter 1. Zechariah's message about the kingdom of God. He's an old man serving in the temple as a priest, waiting his whole life for the kingdom to come. And the last verse of what he says in the scriptures, in his prophecy, he says that the morning light of heaven is breaking, giving light to those in darkness and in the shadow of death. Giving light to those so that we can walk in the path of peace. I hope every Sunday as you keep coming, and I hope every day you at least get into the Gospel of Luke and read some of this. But that every day you see a glimpse of that light, of the kingdom that's coming. And that you don't just hear it, but you respond. Just as this plant has broken out of the ground, I look at the fields, I see it. It's exciting, right? To go from black dirt to specks of green. You're like, all right, here it comes. Those seeds are doing what it's designed to do. So come back next week to see what it looks like to do it as Jesus starts pushing this out, saying, all right, you only get enough sermons here before I tell you to get out there and do it. Maybe respond to the morning light of heaven breaking over us today. Let's pray. Lord, we aim to be that man and we aim to be that woman that hears the word of God and obeys. And where there is hard ground, where there is rocky ground, where there is thorny ground in our lives, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, help us take, even if it's a small next step, towards obeying you. And may we see your kingdom come in and through us that we might live out the kingdom and the reign and the justice of God in our lives. Not only for ourselves, but for our families and our friends and our neighbors, for our church, for our community, for those that are walking in darkness and in the shadow of death. They need the light of the path to peace. Bring your peace in Jesus' name. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.